It's a privilege to be here this morning to be able to preach to you. And uh, we're thankful for the healthy deliverance of Lance David. All right, excited about another young man in the church. And so looking forward to seeing him grow up and see uh, all the trouble he'll get into as a pre- preacher's kid and all those things. But man, be patient with them and love them and uh, encourage them. Um, the, I think one of the first times I preached in our church a long time ago, I came just before Nate Stone was born. And so I, I was, Pastor Stone was like, you got to get up here. My wife's eight and a half months pregnant. So you got to make sure you're here because if she goes in, you got to recover the pulpit. And so I remember as a 22-year-old young man coming up here and I, I got here just a few days before uh, Nate was born. And so I'm used to covering the pulpit in this situation. I'm, I'm a pro, all right? <laughs> 30 years ago, I did it once and I'll do it again, all right? And so and actually there's a, a friend of mine pastors up in Oakville and every time he I don't know why but every time he was expecting he'd have me come up and preach and cover the pulpit for him I don't know why but uh, every three or four years I get a phone call and he asked me to come preach so uh, I'll give you something from the word of God this morning hope to be a help to you uh, if you're going to start reading in John chapter 18 at the very beginning of the chapter we won't right now but if we were to be in there we would find Jesus in a garden just outside of Jerusalem known as Gethsemane, all right? I have a picture this morning for you to kind of show you what the garden of Gethsemane looks like, just to kind of give you a visual. Some of you have been there. Uh, some of you like to go. Uh, but here's a picture of what the garden of Gethsemane looks like, all those beautiful trees there. And uh, if you go on a tour of Israel, this is one place that they'll take you to the garden of Gethsemane. It's just outside the old city of Jerusalem. In fact, in my memory, I was there 25 years ago. My memory, you could look from the garden of Gethsemane and, and get close. You can look across the valley and see the old city of Jerusalem so it's not that far away. So in John uh, chapter 18, the very beginning, that's where we'd find Jesus. I appreciate all the songs today were about Jesus this morning. We're going to preach about Jesus today and and this is why our church exists because there's a Jesus and uh, he is the Savior and that's why we have church and that's why we have the Word of God and that's what we're going to talk about today. And so we'd find Jesus in the garden in the first part of chapter 18. If we skip down to the middle of chapter 19, We'd find Jesus on his way to Golgotha. I have a picture of that as well. This is a place uh, outside the city as well, known as Golgotha, the place of the skull. Maybe if you look closely there, just over the top of the one of the buses there, you can kind of see a couple hollows out, and there's different p- pictures on the internet. You can see what looks like a skull in the mountain, and now it's a bus station there, and the very busy place at the bottom of where Jesus would have been crucified in that area, uh, somewhere in that area. So Jesus would go to Galgary, uh, Golgotha, Calvary, the place of the skull. And so that would happen by the middle of John chapter 19. So John 18 in Gethsemane, and then John, middle of John 19, he's already at, on his way to Calvary. Now the hours between the garden and the cross... Jesus is on trial. That's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus on trial. We're talking about those hours that passed between the Garden of Gethsemane uh, when Judas betrayed him and the time that he actually is led away to go toward Calvary, bearing the cross and about to take on the sin of the whole world. In that time, he's in a time of trial, multiple trials. And so uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience before. Uh, I have in a couple situations testified in a court of law. I've never been on trial, just to be clear. All right? It wasn't me. I was testifying for something else. But there's been a couple times where I put my hand on the Bible and I raised my right hand <laughs> and I said, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing about the truth, so help me God. I, I've done that and, and I've testified in the court of law. It's a very uncomfortable position. As I'm up there, I'm thinking in my mind, is this what I know? 
or just what I think I know. And I begin to even question myself. It's, a, it's kind of unnerving to be on trial. When I was in Bible college back at Pensacola, um, I was in a position of leadership there. And a guy that I knew got in some big trouble. Big trouble. And so they called him before the discipline committee. And it wasn't just the small, this is like all the deans and everybody. And he asked me to go in with him to sit next to him. And so I'm sitting next to him and surrounded by all the deans and they're firing questions at him. And I'm sweating. I'm not even on trial. And I'm uncomfortable and I don't know what's going on. And it's a very uncomfortable position. But here Jesus is on trial. And Jesus is in complete control. He is not, he's not shaken. He's not nervous. He knows exactly what's going on. And Jesus is on trial Several trials, just to give you an idea where we're going to focus in on one of those trials. But here's, uh, just to give you an idea, there's several trials. Show the next slide there. We have, he goes first from Gethsemane to a man named Annas. Annas was a, a Jewish former high priest. He wasn't a high priest anymore, but he still had power and authority because of his position before. And so he left Gethsemane, they led him to Annas's house uh, as a Jewish high priest, former Jewish high priest, and he asked them some questions, and Jesus gives them some general answers, nothing very much. He basically said, you know, you're not asking me these questions because you want to know the answer. Have you ever had someone ask you a question just because they already know the answer, they don't really want you to answer it? Jesus is like, I don't have time for this. You know, I was already, I was out there teaching. You know who I am. Let's get past this. And so that, doesn't, that trial doesn't last too long, according to the scripture records. And, and so he sends Jesus from Annas to his son-in-law, which is Caiaphas. Now he's the present high priest, uh, the man who has the power. He sends him to the Jewish high priest, Caiaphas's house. Again, same thing. There's some questions asked, and, and they're saying, you, you claim to be the Messiah. You claim to be the Son of God. And, and they're questioning about those things, and that trial doesn't last too long. And here's the real problem. The real problem is the Jews, the high priests, the religious leaders, want to kill Jesus. If they were to kill Jesus, they would have to answer to all the people because Jesus was very popular. And in fact, they really didn't have the authority to kill him. And in fact, they didn't know this, but the Bible prophesied that Jesus would be crucified and, and the Jews didn't crucify people, they stoned people. All right, So that wasn't their way of execution. So they had to find a way as the Jewish leadership to get the Roman leadership on board. All right, so that's what happens here. Caiaphas then sends Jesus uh, to Pilate. He's a Roman governor of the area. All right, we're going to talk a lot about Pilate. That's the trial we're going to look at today uh, because there's some interesting things in that trial. Pilate asks him some questions, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And something comes up in the trial where someone says that Jesus of Nazareth. You know what Pilate does? Like, oh, Nazareth. Oh, that's not my jurisdiction. This is my chance to get out of this thing. You need to go see Herod. Herod's in charge of Nazareth. So he's, Herod happens to be in town. So he sends Jesus from his place over to see Herod. Herod asked him a few. Herod was glad to see him. The Bible says he was glad to see him because he wanted to see a miracle. He heard all about him and he wanted to see a miracle. He wanted to see uh, something special. And you know what? Jesus did not open his mouth. Didn't say a thing. He didn't perform any miracles. Uh, Herod was not searching for truth. Herod was looking for signs and, and something special. So he didn't answer anything, and so Herod's like, well, I can't do anything with this guy. 
Pilate, he's your problem. So he sends him back over to Pilate's house. All right? So that's what happened. There, there's really two trials by Pilate. In the middle, there's a, a, a trip to Herod. We're going to talk about those two trials under Pilate today. And often, Jesus doesn't answer. More is recorded in the, in the, the trial with Pilate. And in fact, if you have a red-letter Bible where the, the words of Jesus are in red, we'll see. We're going to look especially at, at Jesus' answers to Pilate. So I want you to focus on those things because in those answers we find some truths about Jesus. So even while Jesus is on trial, he's answering truth and giving truth that still helps us today. And this is what I want you to understand. Just because Jesus was on trial, really, Pilate was the one on trial. Jesus knew it was going to happen. It was part of the plan. Pilate was the one on trial. What's he going to do with Jesus? What's, he, what's, his, what's his verdict? What's he going to do with Jesus? And I, I want to tell you today, this is what I really want you to get, is today we're the one on trial. As we look at Jesus, as we look at this trial of Jesus, what are you going to do with Jesus? What part of your life will Jesus have? What impact in your life? It's taking the Bible and saying, where will Jesus fit in my life? And so we're going to look at today this trial of Jesus, and what are we going to do with Jesus? Let's have a word of prayer. We'll begin reading in John chapter 18. Heavenly Father, I ask that you to help me to be very clear now and very concise to give out truth. And Lord, I pray that as we look at these scriptures today, that you would be exalted and magnified, and that we be challenged to give you your rightful spot and place in our life. Whether we be here for the first time, visiting, whether it's a, a, a question we've had about you for a number of years, whether we're saved or not saved, whether we're of a church background, not church background, the question remains, Lord, what can we do with you now? What part of our life will you have today and, and moving forward? And so, Lord, I pray that in this trial and these words and your answers will find truth for us today. And, Lord, please help us with that. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's read John chapter 18. We'll, get, we'll skip down to verse 33. John 18, verse 33. The Bible says, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said to him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee? Verse 35, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Now, I want you to notice in those first three verses, nobody makes a statement. Everybody's answering question with question with question, right? So Pilate asks a question. Jesus asks him a question. Then Pilate asks him a question. Just, have you ever had that conversation where you ask a question and you answer your question with a question and you just never get anywhere? That's kind of what's happening here in the first few verses. Pilate says, you know, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, well, are you saying this of your own self? Do you believe that yourself? Or you just, did someone else tell you that? He said, well, your chief priest said this, you know, what have you done? And so Jesus finally makes a statement here in John chapter 18 and verse 36. Let's read that. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. 
So in his first answer right here, see, first of all, the truth about the kingdom. <laughs> we have the truth. Like, he can answer whatever he wants. He can, he didn't, some guys he didn't answer. He could sit silent. But for some reason, Jesus chose to speak. And the question is, are you the king of the Jews? What have you done? That's the, the question. The root of the question is, are you the king of the Jews? What have you done? And Jesus chooses to answer and says, my kingdom is not of this world. You want to talk about being a king? I, I'm not going to say I'm a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. The truth about the kingdom. See, Pilate understood kingdoms. He understood jurisdictions. He understood authority and, and who was, he knew that he was in charge of that area and Herod was a, a jurisdiction over here. He understood kingdoms for sure. He had power because he had power from Caesar. He understood all about how kingdoms worked and how that should go. But Jesus threw a curveball and said, yeah, my, my kingdom's not like the kingdom you think of. My kingdom is not of this world. I, I, I can't get a good read on Pilate. Is, Pilate's an a, a interesting character in the Bible. Part of me thinks he's searching for truth. He's trying to figure out a way to, to get rid of Jesus and say, not my problem. Some historians believe that Pilate had other uprisings in his area and he was in danger of losing power because of one more riot. And so he, he's trying to keep the Jews happy and also and not kill Jesus because he didn't find anything wrong with him. So he's trying to figure this out and he has this complex situation going on. But he understood this kingdom. The type of king that Jesus was establishing was foreign to Pilate. It's a spiritual kingdom. Not made up of cities, but of souls. The kingdom. In fact, if you look at the, the New Testament, when the disciples preached and Jesus preached and John the Baptist preached, their messages all kind of coincided with this. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a kingdom. It's a kingdom of heaven. It's not a kingdom where you're going to have a throne and a capital city and all, but there's a kingdom of heaven. And how do you enter the kingdom of heaven? Repent. Repent. There has to be a change of mind that leads to a change of action in your heart that leads you to a, a, a decision to trust Jesus Christ. And guess what? The kingdom of Jesus Christ exists today. It's a spiritual kingdom. And I don't know your background, and I don't know where you come from, but I know this, you can be part of the kingdom. You can be part of the kingdom. And so it's a spiritual kingdom made up of souls, not cities. It's a continuing kingdom. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's available. And I'm as much part, a part of the kingdom of heaven as Peter, James, or John. I'm in the kingdom. I have a position. That, you know what my position in the kingdom is? If you read the rest of the New Testament, I'm an ambassador in the kingdom. So the king has given me authority to represent him for a short period of time. And I'm his ambassador. And I'm part of the kingdom. And you're part, if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, you're part of the same kingdom. That he, Pilate said, are you a king? Uh, what have you done? He said, I have a kingdom. <laughs> you, you can't see it. It's not made with hands. But you can be part of it, Pilate. And I'm part of that today. And you can be part of that today. And you can be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And as an ambassador, we have a good news message, a message that there's peace and reconciliation with the king right now. You know what happens when two countries go, uh, begin to have uh, strife uh, and begin to think about war? One of the first things they do is they break off diplomatic relations. The ambassadors come home. We're bringing our the There's no more peace available. Ambassadors come, on, come off the field. Right now, Jesus, the king, is in a peaceful situation trying to make peace 
with this world. And he's got ambassadors all over the place, running around, trying to say, peace, reconciliation, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You can have peace with Jesus Christ. Today, you can know Jesus Christ is your savior. The ambassadors are all busy proclaiming the truth. Well, there'll be a day, the Bible teaches, where, where the king will call home the ambassadors. He'll break off diplomatic relationships with a world that has rejected him, and there will be no more chance for peace. But right now, today, <laughs> and today's the day of salvation. <laughs> and this is, our, this is my position. I've been given the ministry of reconciliation to bring people to Jesus Christ. And so we have this spiritual kingdom. We're in a spiritual battle that's why his disciples didn't fight. That's why when Peter took the sword off and cut the guy's ears off, Jesus said, put that away. We're not doing that. It's not that kind of battle. Oh, Peter, you're in for a battle. <laughs> you're, in, you're in for a big battle. In fact, Peter lost the battle shortly after. Uh, I think it was in the, the trial with Caiaphas when, when Peter denied Jesus three times. It wasn't with Pilate. It was Caiaphas' house. He denied Jesus three times. He lost that battle. It's a spiritual battle. We're still in that battle today. We don't have our, our weapons and our weapons of this world. Is, we have spiritual weapons. We don't fight against flesh and blood, the Bible says. We are called to use the weapons of our warfare, which is faith and, and, and the word of God and prayer. We have this battle. We are in the kingdom, and you are part of the kingdom. That's the truth. And so as Jesus stands on trial before the man that could release him, He's not looking to be released, but he's looking to pass on truth to us. There's a kingdom. Yes, I am a king. It's not a kingdom like you understand, Pilate. It's a kingdom that is a spiritual kingdom that will last long past your death and the death of my disciples and their disciples after that and after that after the book of Ephesians, after the book of Revelations, and hundreds and thousands of years, there'll be people in St. Thomas who are part of the kingdom. And so as we dismiss today, I want you to think about this. What are you going to do with Jesus? Will you submit to be part of his kingdom? Will you accept your position as ambassador as you walk out those doors to a lost and dying world? His kingdom is still going, and you're part of it. And while he's on trial, and while you would be sweating like crazy, Jesus is like just proclaiming truth. Let me tell you about my kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom, the truth about the kingdom. But as we move on, we look at verse number 37. He continues this discussion with Pilate. Pilate, therefore, said to him, art thou a king then? So it goes back to the same question. So, okay, so are you, you're, you say you have a kingdom, so you're saying you're a king, right? Jesus answered, thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world. Yeah, I'm a king. I, I came to the world to be king, to start a kingdom. Not like you're thinking. I'm not trying to take over for Caesar. Uh, I, I don't really, Caesar is small potatoes to what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm trying to save the whole world. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried about like overthrowing Caesar. I'm not worried about freeing the Jews. I'm worried about saving the world. And so, yes, I have a kingdom. This I was born. I came to the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth, heareth my voice. All right, this is going to sound like a little bit of double talk, but here he talks about the truth about the truth. <laughs> Jesus delivers him the truth about the kingdom and the truth about the truth. Look at the next verse, verse 38. Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? 
And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault at all. See, Pilate asked the right question that time. What is truth? Wait, did you catch that? What did, what did he do after he asked the question? He walked away. He, he wasn't looking for the answer. We get, with our ministry to Bearing Precious Seed, we send out John Romans all the time. We get phone calls all the time. Some people have questions they want answers to, and some people they have questions that they want not answered. <laughs> they're, they're asking you a question to tell you something that you're wrong, right? And so this is kind of Pilate's, he's not telling Jesus he's wrong, but it's like, what is true? I think his attitude is like, how can we know what's true? Can we have an absolute, how can we find out what's really true? So he asked the right question, but he didn't wait around for the right answer. Jesus said he came into the world to bring truth. He said, I bear witness of the truth, and everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. When you get the truth, it's life-changing. When you get the truth, you'll understand my word. When you get the truth, it, it changes everything about your life. Jesus came to the world to bring truth, and truth is found in his words. Here's, here's Pilate. Picture this now. Pilate is looking eye to eye, face to face with Jesus. He says, what is truth? What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth. He's looking at truth, asking what is truth. It's right there before him. It, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Pilate could have fallen on his knees and repented and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior at that very moment. But he didn't. What is truth? And he walked away. See, society today will tell you, speak your truth. <laughs> Isn't that, have you heard that before? Speak your truth. I mean, that's your truth. Speak your truth. Or live your truth. That's not Bible, just so you know. I understand, I understand what it means. Like, I, I understand some of the concept, like, be yourself. I agree with that. Jesus, God made you a certain way. Don't try to be somebody you're not. That's, that's the truth. That's biblical truth. But to speak your truth and live your truth and I'll live my truth and I'll speak my truth, that's not, that's not truth. <laughs> it can't be truth if my truth is different than your truth. Somebody has, that's, what you, that's why it sounds like so ridiculous to talk this way, but the truth about the truth. Jesus says there is a truth and I am that truth. And if you accept the truth, you'll hear my voice. That's true. So we don't have to, it's not to speak your truth, live your truth. The Bible says thy word is truth. We, we have the truth. This is, this is the word of God. This is what we're here to study. All I did this week was um, the message came this way. Someone has challenged us to read some chapters. John chapter 18 to John chapter 21. Kind of unusual chapters to read at this time of year. Usually we read these maybe at Christmas or Easter, right? These are more, especially Easter times, or maybe we talk about during communion times. And I did some research. You know, we're almost smack dab between Christmas and Easter right now. I think there's 17 Sundays uh, behind us and 18 ahead of us. We're almost like smack dab in the middle between Christmas and Easter. And we're still talking about Jesus. We should, right? And he's on trial. And Pilate says, what is truth? Jesus, Jesus is truth. The word of God is truth. And so we study, we preach, we understand. And so I just took the Bible as I was reading John chapter 18 and 21. I read this, I, I would see in my Bible in the red letters, like all this black and then a big chunk, of, a little chunk of red. And then some black and then some red. 
And that was Jesus answering Pilate. I thought, here's some great answers when a man, on, a man, God man on trial, and he gives us truth in each statement. The truth about the kingdom. The truth about the truth. And so you have a choice today. What are you going to do with the truth? Well, how, how can we even know it's true? Well, you have to, by faith, by faith. I can stand here and try to prove to you that the Bible's true, and I can give you historic references and scientific references and all that. But there comes a point in your time in your life where you say, I'm putting my faith in the Word of God. I trust it to be true. I trust Jesus Christ, and I'm going to tune my ear to His voice. And then once the Holy Spirit enters your life and, and you accept Jesus Christ, then it's so much easier to put your faith in Him because now you have the Holy The truth is you have to put it by faith in the truth. And so we believe, we teach, we preach that the Bible is true. Let God be true and every man a liar, right? And so we go back to the Bible as truth. Jesus, the Word, uh, my pastor growing up, Pastor Stone, Pastor Thompson, preached a great message. The Word, the Word. Talk about Jesus, the incarnate Word, and the Bible, the written Word, and how those two go together. The Word, Jesus lived out the Bible. There's no contradiction between Jesus' life and the Word of God. So Jesus is the truth. The Bible is the truth. These give us guidance. And so the truth about the truth is, Pilate, you can know truth. Don't, Pilate, don't walk away. That's the great question. Sit down, let me tell you, there is truth. I'm the truth. Accept me. Listen to my voice. I'll lead you. I'll guide you through this life. You can have life, a wonderful, peaceful life in this time and life eternal through me. But Pilate said, what is truth? Probably, in what is truth? And walks away, leaving the truth behind. And I thought, how often do we in our life say, how am I going to know what to do? How, how can I know what's true? Everybody's saying this and saying that, and we walk away from the word of God, and it's right there. The truth is here. Find the truth in God's word. And so the question is, as you're on trial today, what will you do with the truth? As the trial continues, it's interesting if you read it. I'd encourage you to read it. He goes kind of in and out of this judgment hall. Like he, he really, he's like a, a, a pacing uh, animal. <laughs> he, he goes in, he talks to Jesus, he goes back out and says, I, I find no fault in him. And he says well, something else. Okay, okay well, I'll go ask that again. Um, no, 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 no. I find no fault in him. Well, what about this? Okay, okay. And this is kind of, he, I think three or four times he goes out to the crowd and says, I can't find anything wrong with this guy. He goes back in. And so we see this trial go back and forth. And in fact, after these, this conversation and before the next conversation we'll look at, I believe it's the time that he sends them off to Herod and brings them back. So this whole, all this is going on. Also what happens in this time, before we get to the last, the last verse, his wife comes into him and says, I'm telling you, I had a dream. And you better leave this guy alone. Don't have anything to do with this guy. Something's different about this guy. Think about this. This is Pilate's job. Pilate has people on trial all the time. This is nothing new for him. He's used to interrogating. He's used to convicting. We know that at this time, there are at least three other guys ready to be crucified, right? Because two get crucified with Jesus, and then there's Barabbas, right, who doesn't get crucified. And I've often thought this. If there's three guys ready to get crucified and they had three crosses, did Jesus literally take Barabbas' cross? Like, was that, the, was that cross made for Barabbas? Was, there's three crosses. Do they, they have a stack of crosses ready just in case they're ready to crucify? They're going to crucify three people. Barabbas walks. Jesus takes his spot. And so Pilate is used to doing this, and now his wife says, I'm telling you, 
This one's different. Have nothing to do with this just man. And through all this, it brings us to down to chapter 19. John chapter 19. And we'll look at verse number 7. He's like, I, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law. And by our law, he ought to die. Because he made himself the son of God. Whoa. That's a little, that's a little different um, accusation than they made before. They've tried all different types of stuff. They said, like, he's caused problems around us, and, and he said he's our Messiah. Now he says he calls himself, he claims to be the Son of God. Verse 8. Then Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. Whoa. <laughs> and think about it. So you got to think about a Roman mindset. This is hard for us. But in a Roman mindset, there's all kinds of gods. <laughs> All kinds of gods. In fact, uh, in, in history, they made Caesar a god, right? And so, there's all, so when this guy now is like, maybe I'm dealing with a god. <laughs> My wife's telling me don't do anything with this guy, and I, I can't find anything wrong with this guy, and he speaks differently. Like I asked him a question, he doesn't answer my question, he just gives me these statements I don't really understand, a spiritual kingdom and, and uh, truth, and I can even know truth. Like I, I just don't, he doesn't know what to do with Jesus. But now he says, you're the son of God? Whoa. Verse 19. And he went into the judgment hall and said unto Jesus, Whence art thou? Where'd you come from? Oh. But Jesus gave him no answer. So Jesus here chooses not to answer. Do you notice that Jesus chooses to answer sometimes and chooses not to answer? And there's a great wisdom in us learning when to answer, when not to answer. But Jesus chooses not to answer. He's not answering that question. He said, I think basically he's saying... Pilate, you're, you're, you're not getting it anyway. Like, you're just not catching on. Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Whoa. So now Pilate's playing the card of authority. Don't you realize who I am? I have the power right now. I could release you or I could crucify you. You better answer me. You don't realize who you're dealing with. <laughs> Jesus said... Verse 11, thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. So the truth about authority. He answers this question with the truth about authority. The, author the truth about authority is, Pilate, I'm only standing be before you because it's part of God's plan. You have no authority. You have zero authority if it wasn't given to you. And so you don't scare me. You, you don't bother me. You may think you're all tough and all kinds of, and you got it all figured out, and, and you got the power, and you got the authority, but you don't. All authority and power comes from God. The Bible is very clear about it. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Romans chapter 13. Pilate was just a small piece of God's plan to rescue us from our sin. See, there had to be this piece of the puzzle that allowed the Jewish leadership who hated Jesus to crucify Jesus in a Roman way. There had to be a, there's a link there. The link is Pilate. Pilate was that piece of the puzzle that God put into place 
to pass Jesus from the Jewish people into Roman execution. And Jesus understood that. But Pilate, Pilate's like, I have the authority. I can read. I, right now, no, actually, you don't. <laughs> you know what? You don't. This is part of God's plan, and you may think you're making a choice right now, but the choice has already been made for you. I'm going to be crucified, and I'm heading there in just a little bit. The authority comes from God. And guess what? In our life, we got to come to the realization that God's our authority. And we need to submit to that every day of our life. And so every day we're on trial. What part of our life will Jesus have? Will he have ultimate authority in your life? Will you see yourself as part of the plan of God and the purpose of God as an ambassador in his kingdom, spreading truth under his authority? And so even on trial, Jesus is teaching us how to live our life in St. Thomas in 2023. Skip down to verse number 16. Then delivered he him, Pilate delivered Jesus, therefore unto them, the Jews, to be crucified. And he took Jesus and led him away. I did all these. You know what Pilate did? He said, I'm going to wash my hands. This, this man's blood's not on my hands. It's on your hand. And they said, we'll take it. We'll take it. His blood be upon us and our children. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take the responsibility. And Jesus submits to the authority of our Roman governor, because he's submitting to the authority of the Heavenly Father. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, the Bible says. And so this whole thing plays out in a way that brings honor and glory to God. Let me ask you today, what will you do with Jesus? How did I make a decision? Pilate's decision was to wash his hands of it and say, go do what you want to do. I wash my hands of this. Today you have a decision to make, and every day you have to say, what part of your life will Jesus have? And so I know I'm, I'm talking to a, a, a broad spectrum of people. Some in here I've known for years, some I don't know at all. And it doesn't matter your relationship to me, it matters your relationship to Jesus Christ. Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior? Have you had Jesus presented to you in a very real way and you had to say, no, that's the truth. I accept the truth. I repent and I become part of his kingdom. Have you done that? I believe in in an auditorium this size, there's some people who are still trying to figure that out. And you maybe feel like you're like Pilate. You're trying to figure out... What do I do with this guy? What? what? I, I, I need something. I'm missing something. I'm, what if it's not Jesus? Well, what if it is Jesus? And you're trying to figure it out. Today I tell you that the Bible is clear. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved but Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He said it. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So today, if you're here today trying to figure out what to do with Jesus for salvation, I'd encourage you. I would sit down and talk with you. We pray for you. We want you to know Jesus as your Savior. I'm just an ambassador giving you the good news message that there's still time and there's still hope. God wants you to be saved. And so he sent Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. That's the good news message. But many of you have already asked Jesus to be your Savior. But I, I still think you're on trial today. What part, of Jesus, what part of your life will Jesus have this week? 
Will you submit to his authority tomorrow morning at work? Will you, will you seek truth this week and live his truth? Do you see yourself as part of the kingdom? What's your position in the kingdom? I don't know the exact position, but I know this. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador. Will you share the good news? Will you look for opportunity? See, you still have to decide on a regular basis, not day by day, but decision by decision, what will you do at Jesus? And so I still believe, after reading this and studying this, yes, Pilate thinks Jesus is on trial. Jesus knows Pilate's on trial. But the truth of the matter is we're all on trial trying to figure out what we do with Jesus. Will you be part of his kingdom? Are you living your truth or his truth? Will you submit to his authority or do your own thing and follow your own plans? Will you accept Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life? You're on trial today, so the decision is up to you.